We are a people who follow Jesus. We receive truth and life from him. We believe that the Bible is God's word in us and instructs us in wisdom and everyday living. This word, God's word to us. We're going to turn to Matthew 6, and I'll have this on the screen. If you have your Bible or your phone and want to turn, we're going to be reading in Matthew 6. Last month, J.R. gave a series of three messages called Ask. And he used Matthew 7, his jumping on point, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. I want to step back into the Sermon on the Mount. This is the first book of the New Testament, and this is the first account of Jesus' life on earth. I want to convince you of the next step along the road after we ask. I'm going to read a big portion, starting in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, or to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. We're jumping ahead to verse 19. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness... How deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than them? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor and spin thread. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and thrown at the first tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is the big theme that Jesus is talking about here? What is he focused on? He is focused on money. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than any other topic during his time here on earth? It's true. I want to zero in on two of those verses about money that we just read And I want to restate them in my own words. 
Here's the first. No one can serve two masters since he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That last word in the original language in Aramaic means wealth. What Jesus is saying here is that you cannot have divided loyalty. You cannot have both God or financial security as number one in your life. Because inevitably, you'll give your heart to whatever or whoever is calling to you and calling for your allegiance, whether it's God himself or money or sex or power or pride or comfort or distraction or whatever. The second verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, provided for you. Again, to restate, look for God first to be your provider, your satisfaction. Place your attention and allegiance first in him, and then let his provision satisfy you, and then let his good gifts be enough to give you security. In both of these instances, Jesus encourages us and warns us, place God in his kingdom before seeking money. And then he encapsulates it in that final passage that J.R. really focused in on in those three weeks. This is the passage, jumping ahead to chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the way of the law and the prophets. In the upside-down way of Jesus... He says, if you want to be provided for, if you want growth, if you want provision, if you want security, don't take. Don't make your own way. Instead, before anything else, ask. Ask God to receive your identity, your mission, your guidance, your security, your possessions, your satisfaction from him. Ask him into your decision-making process. Ask God, what would you have me to do? Who do you want me to be? What would you like me to receive? And that's the second thing. Receive. Lord, I don't want to achieve my identity. I don't want to achieve my possessions, my security. I want to receive them from you. I want your way, not my own. And so how do you overcome the desire to serve money over God? How do you resist the temptation to achieve and take for yourself? How do you stop putting your trust in possessions, spending, money? First ask, receive, and then there's the third thing. Give. He gives to us generously a new identity, and then every material thing we need. And then we pass on the good gifts to others. Let's zero in on that. How much more will your Father in heaven 
give good things to those who ask him. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Ask, receive, give. Ask for what you need, give out of a grateful heart to others. I want to spend the remaining time that we have teaching you about giving. Oh, good. I showed up on this. I happened to show up on this day where we're talking about money. We don't talk about money much at Mount Helen Community Church. We don't pass stuff around. We don't mention it much. But you guys are incredibly generous. But I was talking to a young man recently, and I said, made a mention. I was talking about giving to the church, and he said, huh, I don't know anything about that. I was like, what? Really? He says, yeah, I, I'd like to know more about that. So let's talk about the third part of ask, receive, and give. I'll make no apologies If Jesus talked about this more than any other thing, don't you think that we should talk about it too? I I do. I think we should talk about it. It's important. If what we talk about matches what Jesus talks about, I think that's a good thing. So let's first talk about why we should give. Ask, receive, give. Why, Why should we give? Okay? I've come up with three reasons. There's lots of reasons, but we'll just start with three because, you know, I don't have that much time. To bless others as God has blessed us. This is pretty self-explanatory, especially from the verses that we just went through. God has given to us, therefore, we do the same for others. It's basic Christianity 101. He invests in us, we invest in others. That's reason one. Reason number two, to invest eternally in God's kingdom. We're going to talk more about this when we get to how we give. So I want you to put a pin in this, and we're going to come back to it. But we invest eternally for the long term. Investing is hard. That's what investing means. You're receiving back something later as opposed to right now. It is hard to wait It is hard to wait on the not yet rather than the right now. I know that it is for me. Third, to break money's control over my heart. No one can serve two masters, since he either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who is Jesus talking to? Probably not me. He's probably not talking to me. It's other people that make money their God. You know, those rich people. He's talking to them, not me. The celebrities, the musicians, the athletes, the politicians with their big fancy cars and their jewelry and their big houses and lavish vacations. I'm not swimming in money, and I'm certainly not swimming around like Scrooge McDuck. I would like to say that I put God and his kingdom first before money. I would like to say that I trust God and not myself and not my stuff. 
I would like to say that I gain greater satisfaction and security in his peace and his provision than I do my own savings account. But Jesus was not talking about the amount of money that I have. He was talking about my and your attitude about it. When it comes to money, we will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. I'll say that again. When it comes to money, we will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. Jesus is very clear that money will lure your attention and loyalty away because it causes you to seek your own identity, your own desires, your own wishes, your own comfort, your own security, your own satisfaction. It's not about how much money you hold, but how much money has a hold on you. Money does offer security and satisfaction. It does. And comfort. But it will never last. But giving, which is simply letting go of the possessions that God has given to us, letting it pass through our hands to others, breaks the hold of money over our lives. It's the worship of God with our money, and that's why we give. That's why we give. So let's look practically at now, how do we give? How should we give? I've listed eight ways. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, between God and the people of Israel, there were four different kinds of things called tithes. Tithe means 10%. So giving 10% out of their income. And these tithes had certain commands and requirements attached to each of the different kinds of giving. But in the New Testament, under the New Covenant between God and his church, we don't have that at all. We do not have a command for a specific amount of giving. Instead, we have principles of giving. These are minimum requirements of how to give that are given to us by Jesus and the writers of the New Testament. And each one of these eight hows is to help us to break the hold of money over our lives. Let's look at each. Number one, we give privately. Mm. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. We are asked to give privately to stomp out our own pride. Now, I work for a college. And how do we get people to give to us? We ask them to give so that, like other universities and businesses and charities and hospitals, we can put their name on a building. That's how we get it. And many people will give because they do get their name on a building or a fund or outside of a classroom or whatever. And they can feel good about themselves. And people applaud and they thank them. And Jesus said, that's their reward. And to apply this to myself, I could restate this as if Jesus was talking to me. What good is it for you to give to the guy in the wheelchair at Target, sitting at the stoplight, if then I go and tell my friend Ryan Dahlke that I just did it? To know, let him know what a generous guy Jeff is. No, Jeff, I expect you to give without recognition. I see you and you will receive your eternal reward. 
I want the recognition now. But Jesus says, I see you, wait. You'll get your reward, just wait. The first principle is we give privately. The second person, principle is eternally. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys nor where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is where we revisit the pin that I said put in earlier. Jesus tells a story in Luke 12 of a man who saved up enough crops and grains and goods that he had so much for his barns to hold him, the man says, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, self, or my friend, because I'm myself's friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And my first reaction to that story is, what a smart guy. He saved his whole life so he could settle down into retirement after a long, hard career. Enjoy life, do a little traveling. Sounds like the great American dream of retirement. What a smart guy. God said to him, you're a fool. Uh, okay. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In other words, our abundance is in God, not our bank accounts. Rich toward God means counting God as greater than anything we own on earth, and it means using our possessions to show how much we value God. How do we do that? By giving, giving generously toward others and to his kingdom. Giving eternally means that we invest in the not yet rather than the right now. We invest in caring for the poor, investing in ministry, investing in the church, investing in the mission of God here on earth so that all may know him and serve him. I love the principle of investing. I love the idea of me taking savings that I have and putting into, like, for instance, the stock market and saving it for the future and getting back a return. I love that. That's the principle of investing. But he's saying, I want you to invest in something that you might not see the return in, like right now. Invest in my kingdom. Invest in me. Third, we invest relationally. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I want to point out there in the middle, I can testify that the church in Macedonia gave not only to what they could afford, but far more, and they did so with a free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing the gift for the believers, the churches in Jerusalem. Who is their generosity directed at? The church. This is the command about looking beyond ourselves and looking to the needs of others, being outward-focused rather than inward-focused. Do you remember the guy hoarding the grain in his barn? Who is he thinking about? Himself. He's not thinking about others. He's making and saving money for his own pleasure. If anyone does not provide for his own relatives especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worth worse than an unbeliever. 
The principle is looking outward, caring for others, not just about ourselves. Providing for your family, providing for your church, for those you love, rather than loving yourself. Number four and five go together. We give cheerfully and generously. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. These two principles go together. Jesus also quoted Hosea uh, in Matthew, I desire mercy, not sacrifices. In other words, I want your obedience, I want your heart, I want your allegiance before I want your stuff before I want your money, before I want your offerings. If you're not giving to to me out of a grateful heart, I don't want your money. But if you give to me generously with a generous heart, watch me pour out the blessings into your life. This is not a financial promise because Jesus promised us persecution and hardship, but it is a promise that he'll give us joy and peace and satisfaction in him. Give cheerfully and generously and God will notice. Number six, We give regularly. About the collection to the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This principle is pretty self-explanatory. Giving regularly to the mission of the church is important. If it's weekly, bi-weekly, whenever you get paid, this will fund the work of God's kingdom. Number seven, proportionately. I love this principle. The last verse talked about it as well, setting aside a sum of money, keeping with your income. But here's another. Now, says Paul, talking to the Corinthian church, you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not with what you don't have. Okay, so giving proportionally, what does that mean? That means not setting aside a specific dollar amount, but rather a percentage or a radical chunk that God has given to you. If you're paying attention to the amount proportional to what you receive, so for instance, let's say, and this is a good principle, let's say you decide to to set aside 10% of your income and you're making $50,000 a year, quick math, how much is that? 5,000, okay? And then 10 years later, you're now making $100,000 because God has blessed you, and you're still giving $5,000, that's not proportional giving. How much would proportional giving be if you're keeping within line of that? $10,000, that's right. You should also pay attention to what the recipient should receive. Okay, for example, when you're five years old and you get a birthday card in the mail from your grandma and inside the birthday card is $1 and you're like, yes, I have a six-year-old and he is stoked when he gets a dollar. He is super stoked. Fast forward 30 years and you open that card and from grandma... Inside is a crisp $1 bill. You know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Happened to me. Okay? God doesn't want your dollar 30 years later. 
What he wants is your heart. He wants your proportional giving. He wants your lavish generosity for his kingdom purposes. Giving proportionally is a radical, difficult, radically difficult concept for us to follow because the more people have in this world, the smaller proportion we tend to give. I don't want you to make the mistake of looking at your giving in dollars, but rather in proportion. Jesus wants to give us proportionally, and he wants us to give sacrificially. Number eight, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When all of our needs are taken care of, it's easy to give something we don't have. And then it's easy to give something when we're not even thinking about it. When it doesn't affect our lifestyle and it doesn't affect our behavior, but God wants us to ask ourselves, what am I going to give? What am I going to give up in a, that I'm going to willingly sacrifice today? What's going to affect my lifestyle? What's going to affect my behavior? The principle is best summed up in the story of the widow. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. The more we have, the easier it is to give up something that doesn't affect me. I can put in $20 into an offering box, and it really doesn't affect my bottom line whatsoever. But Jesus wants our sacrificial giving no matter how much we have in our bank account. Why is it easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven? Because the more we have, the more risk it takes to pursue the eternal over the temporal, the not yet over the security that I have right now. If you have nothing, nothing's really lost. But if you have a lot, it takes a lot to sacrifice. One more verse to sum this up. Excuse me. Well, I didn't get that verse in there, so that's okay. I'll read it to you. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all for what we need for our enjoyment. That kind of goofed up there, didn't a little bit? Privately, eternal, relationally, cheerfully, generously, regularly, proportionally, sacrificially. Ask, receive, give. So we've gone over the why and the how. Now, there are two uncomfortable questions that I know that you all have for me. So I'm just going to say them. So are you saying that I should be giving to this church? If you consider Mount Helen Community Church your home, your community, your family, the answer is yes. We don't talk much about money, but we need it so we can pool our resources together so we can do this. Build community and live the mission. That's exactly right. Second question is, if I give to Mount Helena, if I do, where is that money going? I'm going to put it into two big pots. The first is living the mission. We're implementing living the mission regionally, locally, and globally, generously giving to others. I'm just going to, we don't have time, I don't have time for a bunch of examples. I'll just give one from each. Locally, we're giving through those Salvation Army boxes that you guys all picked up. We're going to be a giving church 
locally to families who are in need. Regionally, we just put a roof on a pastor's house at the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation, a pastor who needed a roof, and we sent a team of people down there and paid for the roof to go on. Globally, we're continuing to support um, Paul Simpson and the Issachar team, and we recently gave, gave Paul and his family funds to replace their vehicle so they continue their mission work in South Africa and through greater South Africa and through the greater continent area. Giving generously for others is part of living the mission. Your giving goes out in carrying out that mission. If that's the first big pot that we're giving to, what's the second big pot we're giving to? Hey, building community. That's right. Supporting our church community. So did you know that we have paid staff members? Did you know that? We do. And you, we use your generosity to support them and their families so that they can do full-time service to you and to our community. We support events like the ones that I mentioned earlier. We have supplies for our ministries, open our building, pay for utilities, snow removal, building upkeep, mowing the lawn. All of that takes money. And so thank you. One thing that I do want to mention, people don't know this, so let's keep it between us, okay? A big chunk of our money that we give goes to something called a mortgage. The five elders really, really, really want to get rid of this mortgage. Really. $1.6 million. That's what's on our mortgage. If you have ideas, or if you have an extra $1.6 million laying around, <laughs> you, we want to partner with you. That's exactly, put your name on the building. <laughs> we'll put it down, we'll put it down there in, in Sharpie. <laughs> All of our giving, our income, our budget, spending is an open book to you. If you want to see it, just visit with our office. We want you to know about our finances, and if you want to know about them, visit with our staff. There are some more questions that you might have that I don't have time to answer in detail. I maybe anticipated a few, okay? Here are some questions that you might have. I'll go through. How much of my money is the church entitled to? Mm. Here's some brief answers. None of it. Okay? You can read through that in your time. We're missing one question. It got cut off at the bottom there. And I want to address that. How do I actually give to Mount Community Church, Mount Holly Community Church? How do I actually give? This is how you can support us. Number one, we have giving tables out there in the uh, lobby. You can give in the giving tables. Number two, through mounthelen.org, there's a big button that says give. Number three, you can give through our app. Number four, you can give through our office. This is a very, very generous community, and we are so grateful to you. God knows what you've done, and I literally could spend the next several hours telling stories about how generous you are and to our corporate body, to the individuals there, to the world out there, locally, regionally, and globally. I could just go out and I could just start pointing. I'm going to tell a story about this person. I'm going to tell a story about this person. I'm going to tell a story about this person. But I'm actually going to tell a story, one story, in our remaining time here, we'll wrap up. About a couple who is not here. 
So I specifically told them so they wouldn't embarrass them. Here's the story. Once upon a time, there was a couple named Jeff and Hillary. Jeff and Hillary didn't exactly have much money throughout their marriage. But they were faithful to give and save a little bit what they had. But they were happy because they chose to live on one income so Hillary could stay at home and homeschool their children. This couple had a son named Carter. He was their oldest child. And Carter will tell you about the lack of resources his parents had. Carter didn't get to go out to eat much. And he'll tell you that he didn't get to do, get or do much in comparison to many of his peers and friends. But God provided for his family, and that was enough. But one time, Carter had an opportunity to go on his first mission trip, and he wondered how he would pay for it, because his parents weren't exactly making it rain. So he asked around. And one of those couples that he asked were Aaron and Leah Schwabauer. Aaron and Leah were also not financially well off, so they were homeschooling their family as well on a one income. But Aaron and Leah decided to ask God, how much should we give that Carter could go on his first mission trip experience? And God told them, and it was a really big number. And Carter's dad was shocked at that number because he knew that Aaron and Leah had made a significant sacrifice in their finances in order to give that number. Carter's dad might have cried a little bit, or a lot of it. It's because the Schwabauers chose to ask, receive, and then give. There are so many stories like that in this church, where we ask, receive, and give. And I really hope that today was an encouragement to you to continue along the course of generosity and to follow the path that Jesus lays out for us to ask, receive, and give. Let's follow Jesus and worship him with our money. And let's do it together. Would you please stand with me as we close? Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement today of your word. We receive the words of Jesus, and we respond to them. We will ask, and we will receive your good gifts, and we will pass them on to others as we give generously as you have called us to. Thank you for each one of my friends here today. And I pray that you would bless them financially, that you would bless them with your peace and your hope, that they would find community and connection and that they would find a place to belong. God, I pray that you would convict us to give all those ways that you have shown us how to give today. And I would pray that you would bless each one of them as we go into this Thanksgiving week. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to thank you for being here at Mount Helen Community Church. We're so glad that you're here. Find someone and talk to them and connect with them. If you would like prayer, we have a prayer team over here to my left and your right. You can visit with them if you'd like to pray with someone. Otherwise, have a wonderful rest of your week and enjoy 
each other. God bless you.